coming up in this hour, got uh, our buddy Mr. Monson, Sam Monson, going to be joining us from Pro Football Focus coming up here in just a little bit. Stay tuned for that. As you have got uh, a lot of good games coming up this weekend, some games that are determining factors as far as postseason and seedings and such go. Uh, so we'll get into a lot of those games, the likelihood throughout the NFC, who is one of the better matchups for the Green Bay Packers? Is it the Cowboys? Is it the Cardinals? Is it the Buccaneers? Who's the most likely team to really prevent or present some type of a challenge? Is Aaron Rodgers considered statistically the best quarterback in the NFL? Should he be the front runner? Should he indeed be the front runner for the MVP? All of that is coming up. Um, one other um, note. Where did it go here? I was trying to find this. I just had it sitting here in front of me. And I apologize. Uh, damn it, I don't know where the hell it went. Oh, here it is. Uh, speaking of the COVID thing, and it's completely off of the football topic, uh, Novak Djokovic spending the night at the Melbourne airport. He was cleared to play by the WTA, by the, uh, the, the Tennis Association, and because of his exemption for, the, uh, the, for COVID. And when he got to Australia, Australia, the, uh, the state officials said, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Just because the WTA clears you, we don't. So they they basically said, nope, you're not playing. Talk to you later. Get out of the Australian Open. So uh, Novak Djokovic is, uh, was, anyway, sitting in an airport in Australia because they would not allow him to enter the country because he is unva- unvaccinated. He had a uh, an exemption to get into the tournament, but that doesn't have given him an exemption to get into the, into the country. So he is still sitting there. So I somebody had asked me if, if he got turned away, actually, and I wanted to bring that up because I looked at it and I thought I, I thought he did, but, yeah, it is what it is. So, anyway. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. By the way, here's another note. Greg writes, did you see the Bucks are raising their prices again? Uh, I did see that. I did see that. The Bucks have been, um, when you talk about a, a season ticket, now I don't know what season tickets average for the Milwaukee Bucks, um, but the Bucks, since they played at the uh, at the Bradley Center, or the BMO Harris Bradley Center, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, um, they have raised their ticket price. Now you figure when you got into the fire serve a new building, new accommodations, new amenities, yeah, you're going to go up a little bit. But once they won the championship, they went up quite a bit. Quite a bit. And some people are saying, no, I'm done. Now, the corporate entities that are out there, I don't know um, what corporations have to spend. Because it's, it's with, with it being a COVID-ridden situation, I, I don't know if people are still entertaining. I would assume they are. Um, you know, our friends at Budweiser. And Bud Light, they've got a box there. Entertain people every now and then, uh, clients and such, and they still entertain. There's other businesses I know that have boxes, suites, down at the Pfizer Forum. So I know that they are still entertaining going on. Uh, I don't know what it's been since the Pfizer Forum went to the mask mandates in Milwaukee. Now, the city of Milwaukee has not, but the Pfizer Forum self-imposed it. But I couldn't honestly tell you. Um, I, when I see a game I want to go to, I'll buy a ticket. I don't have season tickets anymore. I, uh, ended up, uh, canceling those a few years back when they just started just jacking the price up like crazy. 
And it and, and still the team was good. They were on the come. There was a lot of uh, Giannis talk. Maybe last year would have been a great year to have it to make some of your money back. But it, for the, for the most part, it just wasn't. It wasn't something that I went to enough to justify. But uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, they 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 raised the prices again. But again, supply and demand. I've always said, look, people get all bent out of shape when they do it for for the Brewers or the or the Packers. If you don't want to go, don't go. I've always said your vote is your money. When it comes down to it, whatever it is you do, you can tune in, you can listen, you can watch, all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to go and spend money, that's a vote. Every dollar you spend on a particular team, an entity, a franchise, whatever it happens to be, you put it into their marketing budget because you're buying a jersey, a pencil, a cap, whatever. Or you're paying for tickets and going to the game. You're paying for parking. You're going to the game. You're paying for food at the game, whatever it may be. That's a vote. That's your votes. And if you vote for it and you feel that it's worth the 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 money you put out, well, that's okay. And if you feel that you can't do it, that's fine too. But I know there's a lot of people that will say, well, if I don't do it, the guy behind me will. Okay. But if that sentimentality trickles down throughout others uh, around you, or as it, it eventually they price themselves out of the market and have to lower the prices or do other things to bring you in. Because I remember it used to be you could buy tickets for like 10 bucks to sit in the upper deck. And people used to get mad. What do you mean i got to sp- sit in the upper deck? Well, you're not going to sit courtside for 10 bucks. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah, the Bucks are raising their prices again. But that's to be expected. Good basketball team. A lot of people want to see Giannis and all the other superstars in the NBA. The NBA has grown in popularity. So there you go. Um, Robin says Packer stock is a vote then, correct? You bet. Yes. If you if you buy it and you want it, you take pride in it, you hang it on your wall, you air it down to somebody in your family, you whatever. Yeah, that's a vote. It's not like you're investing because you're getting a financial return. It Packers stock is not stock. It is a Packers piece of memorabilia. And if you value that, as many, many, many do, then it's worth something to you to have that. It's no different than if you buy a $250, $350 jersey that's autographed, right? It's the same thing. It's just a different form of memorabilia. You can't wear it, but you can certainly put it up on your wall and hang it as a as a memento, correct? So, yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. Absolutely. Um okay, we got kind of kind of off track there just a little bit, but that's okay. It's a gr- really good discussion. Um and Sam, you're right. Prices are really steep, but if you're willing to pay it, oh well. I get uh, great views from my couch on HD. Sam, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. There are times where I and I'll have tickets to like uh Brewers games, summertime. Summertime, you know, a terrific day on a weekend. Bright, sunny, and you'll think, man, this is a day to go do a little tailgating. And I agree. But there are times where I'll sit there and I'll I'll be looking at the tiki bar in the backyard, the TV that's on the back of that thing, cold beer in the fridge. I, I'm sitting outside, the dogs, I got my feet up. I can still sit in the sun. I can grill. The grill's right there. I can tailgate and eat whenever I want, whatever I want. I don't have to pay a dime to do it. So, yeah, sometimes you look at it that way and say, you know, 
I'd rather save the money. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll spend the money on playoff tickets. Or maybe I'll spend the money on that big game that I want to go see. But that's, you know, I, I would never tell people not to spend money, and I would never tell people to spend money. Never. Because that's your money, man. That's what you work for. It's what you want to do with it. If there are fans out there that are passionate enough and prideful enough to say, I want to do this, I want to buy this, I want to go here, I want to see this, I want, then go. I encourage you. Be a part of something. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And if you don't, and you say either I don't want to spend the money because of whatever belief that I have, I don't want to spend the money because I don't have it, that's fine too. No problem. Uh, Don says, had to give up my Packers season tickets a while back after they kept raising the prices. Uh, the fees were just ridiculous. Don, there's a lot of people that, that have said that. I know that, uh, it's difficult if you put them on the uh, secondary market, because if something happens and somebody that you don't know buys your tickets and acts like a jerk, they can toss you out on your ass because I know there's a codicil in that uh, little, the little form you sign about selling your tickets and, and such. It is what it is, but, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. Again, if it's too much for you, that's fine. You know, I'm sure you're warm every Sunday with your feet kicked up, doing a little, uh, doing a little chilly, doing a little beer, a little beverage, something all foamy, right out of the bottle or right out of the tap that's in the house, and you're kicking back and enjoying the game. Or maybe you're going to your local sports pub. Who knows? Um. Robin says, if the if the Packers don't sell out their stock, would that be considered a mini failure by the Packers or just happy with whatever it is they get? Oh, that's a great question. I don't even know what's left. Aren't they selling it through February something or other? Ben, do we, we remember the dates that the Packers were selling that stock that it's open to the public? I think it was February. Is, is something in February? Okay. If they don't sell out of that stock release... Would that be a considered a failure? Boy, that's depending on. I know they wanted to raise what was it, ninety million dollars? Am I mistaken there? Is that a number that I'm just pulling out of my ass? Maybe we'll look during the break. I can't remember the exact figure. Yeah, three hundred thousand shares at three hundred dollars. Ninety. Okay, million. so ninety million dollars. Late that's, February. That's what, is when it ends. That's what I thought. Okay, so it's open. There was an initial rush. Um. If they don't sell out and don't raise ninety million bucks, eh, I I don't know what's I, I'd have to compare it to what stock has done in the past. Has every stock sale completely sold out, or is this a goal of ninety million dollars? If they end up with eighty, well, so be it. They can come up with the other ten or or what. I I honestly don't know. Uh, again, I'd have to go back to the comparison of the past just to see, but I would assume. As somebody who follows the Green Bay Packers and knows the rabid fan base, how deep they are on the waiting list just to get tickets to get into Lambeau Field for season tickets, uh, what's gone on in Green Bay with the growth of Titletown, the growth of all the uh, restaurants and industry around Lambeau Field, Lambeau Field being the biggest building in Green Bay and the, and the passionate fan base that exists not just in the state of Wisconsin, but worldwide, which was evident when we were in Dallas uh, a decade ago, just over a decade ago, uh, for the Super Bowl by the influx of Packers fans who came from all over the world and listened from all over the world to that team in that game, um, I would consider it somewhat of a little bit of a head-scratcher. But 
that they did not sell out, but I, I don't know what they've done in, in the past in comparison, so I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, let's do this. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, going to be joining us coming up next. We're going to talk with him, statistically speaking, as we get into the analytics of how good this Green Bay Packers team is, how good Aaron Rodgers is, the real chase, the real breakdown for the MVP, and then also when you start to get guys back like Bakhtiari who has not taken a snap. You talk about a guy like Josh Myers, Jair Alexander. You start to get some of those guys back that on paper made this team so formidable going into the season, what that will mean, and then what team stacks up the best against the Green Bay Packers. That is all upcoming. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Glad to hear you. Hang out with you. Talk to you, chat with you, all that kind of good stuff today. And if you've got a lot going on, you've got Antonio Brown officially being cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hub Arkish making his comments. Aaron Rodgers calling him a bum. You've got all kinds of other stuff floating around out there. But really, when you get into the nuts and bolts and the analytics, that's what you got to look at as the Packers get ready to take on the Lions. And then who may be the best team suited to uh, knock off the Packers? Um, joining us now on the uh, the hotline, our good buddy uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus is here. Sam, how you been? Good. How about you? We're doing well. So you tell me uh, when it comes to all this MVP chatter, statistically speaking, who who would you consider to be some of the front runners? Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely in that short list of conversation. Uh, I think Tom Brady is there as well. And Joe Burrow is, is finishing the season really strong and forcing his name into that conversation. I think maybe his really great run has come just a little bit too late. Or if the season had another couple of weeks to it, Burrow would be there. But I think it's probably you know a, a coin toss between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady right now. Yeah, I would. Uh, most people kind of feel that way, so I would 100% agree with you. Now, when it comes to uh, others, like say Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, what would is there anything they could do to thrust themselves into the mix uh, over the next uh, week or in this uh, this last game of the season? We'll say. Yeah, MVP is just such a strange award when it comes to football because if you care about the value element at all, a receiver or certainly a running back. They're just not going to win it over a quarterback. Um, you know, PFF has created a, a metric that tries to measure this value, PFF war, the wins above replacement, a lot like baseball. And the top quarterbacks in the NFL are worth over four wins above replacement over the course of the year. Jonathan Taylor is the, the best running back in the NFL this year in terms of PFF war, and he would rank 31st out of quarterbacks, maybe lower depending on if you – put in a few backups there that have played some snaps and, and earned a, a decent amount of war as well. So as great as Taylor has been, he just doesn't have the same impact in moving the needle when it comes to generating legitimate value in winning or losing games. And you can see that elsewhere. You can see that in the Vegas point spread as well. If Jonathan Taylor goes out, the point spread moves maybe a point. When Carson Wentz was potentially missing a game and they were going to start Sam Ellinger, the, the spread moved like seven points. You know, it's it's just not comparable 
So as great of a season as Jonathan Taylor has had, I think he's in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. Same with Cooper Cup. But I just think that at this point, if you do value the value component of MVP, it's a quarterback award in today's NFL. Would Derrick Henry, had he kept on the pace of the season he was having prior to him going down with injury, would he then have been thrust into the mix, or does he even not really move the needle nearly as much? I think in you know he wouldn't have been amongst the quarterbacks, I don't think, in PFF war, but Derrick Henry over the past couple of years is the one running back that I think you can construct some kind of argument for. And I think that argument has kind of been enhanced by seeing what happens when he goes down and that it had an immediate impact not just on the team overall but on the passing game like i think you can you can definitely make an argument that derrick henry manipulates defenses to the point where it affects tennessee's passing game not the other way around which i think is the case for most running backs in the nfl that the passing game influences the kind of picture they're looking at and the the number of times they face eight men in the box and all those kinds of things Derrick Henry looks like he shifts things the other way around and affects the job that Ryan Tannehill has to do and the success that A.J. Brown and the rest of that offense can have. And when he's not there, even though they're able to run the ball pretty well still with Dante Foreman and and Dontrell Hilliard, it doesn't have the same effect on defenses, and you're not seeing as many guys in the box, and it's not having the same kind of effect on Tannehill, who's – PFF grades and production immediately nosedived. So looking at the, these teams as they come into the postseason, and everybody wants to know who's the team that's going to match up the, the, the toughest for the Green Bay Packers, is there one over the other, statistically speaking, because of either a Packers weakness or what another team does? Because the Packers look like at any point in time they can beat anybody, but also with slow starts in the first quarter, also with a special teams unit that's been iffy throughout the season, it also looks like they could lose to anybody at any point in time. Yeah, I don't think they're a team that has that, that matches up unusually badly against any particular playoff team. And there are teams in the playoffs I think that do fit that category. You know, I don't. I think there are certain teams that Buffalo, for example, definitely does not want to see in the playoffs. But I'm not sure the Packers are are in the same situation. I think they are a well balanced team. They've been riding um, this season without some of their most important players, particularly compared with a year ago. And as much as they have sort of struggled their way through certain games or gone off the boil in certain key times, I don't think it's a specific type of team or type of offense or defense that's causing them problems. I think they're just occasionally, there's a reason that the sort of the Vegas line is not as in love with Green Bay as their record would suggest, or the fact that they're going to get that number one seed most likely Um, there it's, it, this is a team that hasn't necessarily played up to its potential at all times. Um, but I think they're well-equipped to take down any, time, any team from the NFC. Talking with Sam Monson, uh, pro football focus at PFF underscore Sam. So when we go to the AFC side of things, uh, you've got a guy like Joe Burrow is going to be sitting this week. Aaron Rodgers not going to sit this week. But you look down that line of guys that were supposed to have big seasons. You look at the, the progress of Josh Allen, and then they had a couple of losses that probably shouldn't have been there. Certainly the Patriots have went on a roll, and then they lost a couple of games. Is there, any, is there anything to be said, first of all, about sitting a guy in the last week of the season versus not sitting a guy? Is there any statistic out there that makes one more successful than the other? And the other thing is, is who does have really kind of the hot hand going into the postseason? 
there, there isn't much in terms of statistical data saying that one way or the other is better. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of talked about this when he was on the Manning cast that you're always going to kind of reverse engineer it and work from the results backwards and say, well, you won the game, so, of course, sitting or, or playing your starters was the right way of doing it. But I think ultimately there's, there hasn't been any data that says one way or the other is better. Um, it is probably you know, a, a some of one and some of another that what you gain in making sure nobody gets rusty and has too long off, you potentially lose with the exposure to injury. And, and a case. So I, I, don't, I really don't think there's one correct way of doing it. Um, the only time I think it does make sense is if you have guys dealing with some kind of injury and they could play, but you're risking them and you're, you're risking re-aggravating the injury or at least delaying the, the time they're going to be 100% healthy I think it does make obvious sense to rest those guys in a game, particularly one that doesn't mean a whole lot. But for Green Bay in particular, you know, if they get when they're going to have that number one seed, have the extra week off, it it certainly is a long time now to be resting guys. You know, it's, it goes beyond a bye and gets into an extended period off. It, it makes sense, I think, to play them at least some of the game against Detroit and try and stave off any threat of, of going off the boil that way. Um, and then it is a risk because guys like Joe Burrow, who I think has been the hottest quarterback in the NFL over the past few weeks, um, Burrow picks up a knee injury late in that game, and they're definitely going to be incentivized to rest him and make sure he doesn't uh, or he's 100% healthy for the playoffs. But he's the guy that's cooking right now. So that's the kind of dilemma is – is do we risk putting Joe Burrow out there to make sure he stays absolutely at the peak of his game or to, or is health more important and we need to make sure that he's 100% healthy whenever he's next on the field? There's going to be some teams come the end of the season looking for head coaches. Uh, we already know Jacksonville is going to be in the hunt. Uh, we feel that Chicago is going to be in the hunt. Uh, there's some other teams that will be looking. Will a team, say, like Minnesota, will they they be in the hunt and start looking for a head coach? Do you think Mike Zimmer's done enough, or do you think they may move on there? Other coaches may be in jeopardy as well. Yeah, I think there's a growing feeling that just the the combination that's been in charge in Minnesota has reached the end of its its lifetime there, and there needs to be some kind of divorce or some kind of serious change in the structure just to spark something different you know the the vikings have have reached this level and they've kind of settled there and they're not really moving in either direction and the talent that they have um across the board kirk cousins a quarterback mike zimmer as head coach rick spielman as the gm they're too good for them ever to completely implode and end up in in this disaster situation that sort of lends itself to a hard reset but they don't appear to be good enough to take them to that promised land, take them back to NFC Championship games and beyond into Super Bowls. So something needs to change. And it's one of those tricky situations, kind of like you know, Mike Shanahan at the end of his Denver tenure, where things were still, you know, there's a lot of teams that would kill for that position to be consistently challenging for the playoffs every year. But at some point, if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, you have to come to the realization that that isn't happening with the current group. And I think that's probably where the Minnesota Vikings are, that if they want to win a Super Bowl, if they're not happy with just contending for the postseason every single year and, and, and they actually have aspirations of doing more, something significant needs to change. 
And that, I think, probably starts with the head coach and then potentially the quarterback and, and maybe even completely cleaning house and the GM as well. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, joining us uh, on the hotline at the moment. So as we start to whittle down and we get into the postseason, uh, the representative for the NFC and the AFC, the best shots to get to a Super Bowl out of each conference, who do you think? Um, I, I think you, it, it's funny, for all the chaos of this season and for all the weird results and the, the random losses that really good teams have had and everybody being able to beat everybody, when you look at the landscape, it starts to look exactly like it did at the start of the season, where the favorite teams back then are starting to look like the favorite teams now. Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFC, and then Kansas City and Buffalo potentially in the AFC. And I think there's definitely teams that can spoil the party and go on a run. Um, But I think those are probably the favorites for the conference championships. And if Green Bay are going to start getting back some of these important players that they've been without almost all season, you know, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, uh, Zadaria Smith, that's some serious reinforcement that everybody else is not looking forward to and everybody else is not getting themselves. So I think Green Bay have a real good chance of actually getting over that final step this year and making it to the Super Bowl. And then from the AFC, Kansas City genuinely looks like they might be back and, you know, that they have been kind of fixed in, through playing a, a few bad defenses and got themselves back on track, it's going to take a really good performance and a really good run by somebody else to stop Kansas City getting back to the Super Bowl. Sam, always good. Hey, are you guys going to start uh, getting into the statistics of the USFL if it ever gets off the ground? I haven't actually checked, but I would imagine we will. We've <laughs> graded every other like league that lasted five minutes in the last few years, so awesome. I can't imagine any reason we wouldn't be doing the USFL. Good stuff, Sam. Appreciate it, buddy, and we'll talk soon, okay? Anytime, guys. Take it easy. There you go. Sam Monson, a pro football focus, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good to talk to Sam. Uh, good to chat with him a little bit. Yeah, the uh, apparently the, uh, the USFL is about to start back up. And the uh, there's four teams right now, four of them, that uh, are are ready to go. Mike Riley is going to be the head coach of the New York Generals. Kevin Sumlin of the Houston Gamblers. Todd Haley of the Tampa Bay Bandits. And Bart Andrus of the Philadelphia Stars. Those are the four teams that uh, are formed, I guess, is the best way to put it. So there you go. By the way, uh, Novak Djokovic uh, still... Apparently, according to the LA Times, in limbo as he uh, tries to fly, find flights out of Australia. So, for those that were wondering and worried about him, I guess, if you're family, friends, or members, uh, there you have it. <laughs> so, good stuff. Uh, I got a break coming up. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We got a lot more. We got a lot more to get to. A couple of segments left yet to go. Don't forget, we're going to be down at Angry Brothers Pub in Racine coming up tonight, 6 to 8. The Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. we got more coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back 
Uh, we did not talk about this, but uh, and I don't usually get into a lot of the blunders of radio broadcasts or play-by-play broadcasts, but the Wizards announcer, I don't know if you heard this, uh, he comes under fire for a comment about Kevin Porter Jr.'s father, the late his late father. It was during the Rockets' win against Washington on Wednesday night. And after uh, Porter Jr. hit the game-winning three-point shot at the buzzer, Glenn Consor uh, on NBC Sports Washington on the broadcast said, you got to give credit, Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled the trigger at the right time. Why is that a big deal? Because Porter's father, Brian Kevin Porter Porter Sr., died back in 2004 after being shot at a bar in uh, South Seattle. Uh, Porter Sr. also pleaded guilty to first-degree manslaughter in the shooting death of a 14-year-old girl in 1993, and he was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. It's just in poor taste. Period. It's just in poor taste. Um, just, just awful. So uh, he has uh, come under a huge amount of criticism, and rightfully so. Uh, also, we talked about Ken Rosenthal. This is what Ken Rosenthal said about Rob Manfred. Um, Rosenthal wrote in a piece, as if the perception that Manfred is beholden to the owners and out of touch with the players was not bad enough, he was trending on Twitter on Monday after performing a massive flip-flop. In other words, he is, uh, you know, kind of a hypocrite. And Ken Rosenthal, who still works for Fox and is usually in one of the dugouts during Fox's bigger broadcast when it comes to baseball coverage, um, he had that to say about Rob Manfred. And look, it's nothing new. The problem is when it comes to the MLB Network, the MLB Network is owned by Major League Baseball. They have the power to hire and fire. And Manfred didn't like it, or somebody in Manfred's office didn't like it, and therefore Ken Rosenthal was out. He's still with Fox, but as far as being a contributor to the MLB Network, he's gone. His role was immediately uh, diminished and to the point where he was ultimately let go. Now they say they're just shaking up their lineup, but we all know what it was over. He criticized Rob, Rob Manfred. And, and look, kudos to Ken Rosenthal. Um, Rob Manfred has for years been out of touch. He just is. Bud Selig was a baseball lover, a baseball historian. He... If Bud could have been on the field playing baseball, he would have been playing baseball. Rob Manfred's an attorney. He's he he doesn't have the same passion. He may love baseball. He may love the game of baseball. Uh, okay, I don't I don't put that past him. It's what you do for a living. You gotta you gotta enjoy it to a certain extent. But Bud Bud would live it and eat it and breathe it and talk about it and and intellectually tell stories and comparisons from yesterday and years gone by to today and what they can do to make the game better and how they can expand and keep it viable. And it just, Bud loved it. You, whether you agreed or disagreed with some of the things that he did, he loved the game. Rob Manfred, it's a job. He's, he's King Blank uh, attorney for a very powerful entity. And he just seems to be completely out of touch with fans and players and the game. And, uh, and so Ken Rosenthal criticized him and ends up losing his job. So just a couple of broadcast notes there for you as we can continue to venture on. 
Uh, this one, by, we sh- I should have asked Sam Monson this from Pro Football Focus, and I didn't, and shame on me. But the odds right now of winning Coach of the Year, plus 150 for Zach Taylor, plus 175 for Matt LaFleur, plus 350 for Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. Those are your three finalists. And I look at it as you go head-to-head, LaFleur won. Who's got the best record? LaFleur does. Who's had the most injuries to deal with? Vrabel. Then Matt LaFleur. Then Zach Taylor. Um, it was, you know, games lost. It, overall, uh, the Tennessee Titans have lost a ton of players. Packers number two, Bengals number three. Um, again, though, you go by the record. You look at the strength of schedule. Look at the strength of schedule. And what the Bengals have done, what the Tennessee Titans have done. I mean, I would venture a guess to say, in reality, you probably look at Matt LaFleur and Mike Vrabel more so than Zach Taylor. The problem is that a lot of these sites, so to speak, base it upon what the expectation was at the beginning of the season. So what was your expectation at the beginning of the season? Well, I think everybody looked at Cincinnati and said, well, they're probably going to end up second or third in the division. It be between Baltimore, maybe Cleveland, and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh will be battling for the tops or for the bottom bottom two. Well, Cincinnati's two games better than Baltimore, and they beat Baltimore. They swept Pittsburgh. They did things they don't normally do. They've won three in a row down the stretch to, to lock themselves into the top spot of the AFC North. But if you look at it, Tennessee, best record in the AFC, most games lost. Now, granted, they do play in a division with Houston and Jacksonville. You can't get past that. They have a better record, two games better than the Indianapolis Colts. They've won a couple down the stretch. They lost what everybody considered to be one of the MVP, true MVP candidates in Derrick Henry, which, by the way, he's been activated. Yesterday they activated him, so it looks like he's going to come back for the postseason. So, okay, I can look at Vrabel, but because of the the AFC South and playing Houston twice and Jacksonville twice, it's almost like four wins. Here you go. But their schedule, not a bad schedule by any stretch of the imagination. They they lost to the Cardinals right out of the chute. Seahawks didn't uh, prove to be that big of, a, of an opponent. They did beat the Indianapolis Colts both times they faced them, both in, in relatively close games, but both times they faced them, they beat them. But then they played the, Jet, the Jets, the Jaguars, um, the Saints, the Texans twice. Um, but they also played some tougher opponents. They played the Bills, beat the Bills. They played the Chiefs, beat the Chiefs. They 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 played the Rams, beat the Rams. I mean, they, they've got some good wins in the docket. So Vrabel should be considered. And then there's Matt LaFleur, and I don't need to go through his resume. But you look at Matt LaFleur and what he's done, and not only – and if anything, maybe you do look – because you're only supposed to look at this year, but damn, look at what he's done since he got here. Oh, by the way, when he took over, this was a flailing football team. His first year, they went 13-3. You have to give him credit for what he's done since he walked through the door. This was a bad football team when he took over. After that Arizona loss, I thought, boy, this is a massive rebuild. This is a major undertaking they're going to have to get uh, get going with. So between him and Brian Gutekunst, they've taken this franchise. It didn't really miss a beat. The end of Mike McCarthy was really just kind of opening a new door and a new new breath of fresh air came through the came through the door. So I, I, I'd probably have to go in the direction of Matt LaFleur. I know it's probably not what a lot of people want to hear because maybe it's considered homerism or what have you, but I, I think he's done probably the best job by far. 
877-867-1670. You want to hit me up? Feel free. Go ahead and do so. Stay tuned. Final segment of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers play the Lions Sunday at noon at Ford Field. Although the Packers have secured home field advantage and the Lions are in last place in the conference, Matt LaFleur says there's really no such thing as a meaningless game in the NFL. I have a hard time going into any game saying it doesn't mean anything. I think every time you go out there, you're you're trying to perform your best. So all our guys that are playing, which is the majority of our team, they got to go in with the mindset that they're going to play the entire game as far as where that goes and if and when we decide to pull some guys it's, it's going to be a totally kind of more of a feel type thing lafleur was jared goff's offensive coordinator when the tour with the los angeles rams goff suffered a bruised knee in the lions week 15 win over the cardinals is it important to play in the final game of the season yeah it, it's very important to me i want to be out there and um ultimately it's kind of not up to me it's up to where my knee's at but it's it's progressing that I hope to play. We'll see how the how the week goes, but I I, I I don't know is the answer until you know probably later in the week. And after the Packers secured the number one seed and a first round bye, did the mood become a little more relaxed inside the Packers locker room? Nose tackle Kenny Clark. No, the second you loosen up in this league, that's when you get embarrassed. We stand with that same mindset, uh, taking it week to week, and um, you know this week is Detroit. Um, we, we know we got everything locked up, but um, we're looking forward into into going up to Detroit and, and, and trying to go get a win. Best Packers coverage on 96.7 FM, 1670 AM, The Zone. Glad to have you. Uh, before we get out of here, Anthony writes, uh, hey, I heard they're considering Texas. Uh, and then he's got Dallas in parentheses uh, for the site of the Super Bowl. If things continue to trend in a bad direction out in L.A., where would you stay? Well, the game it depends if you're going to the game or not. If you're going to the game, the game's in Arlington. If you're going to be a part of, say, all the fan experience stuff, I boy, the last time we were there was for the Packers. And I'm trying to think. Um, the convention center was where they had Radio Row set up. But I can't remember. They didn't start this giant fan experience thing until, was it Phoenix? We were out in Phoenix. And that's when they put everything downtown. That's when they started with all the concerts and and that, that that giant expo that they put on regarding the fans. And, you know, you can come in and buy memorabilia. You can come in and run a field. You can run routes. You can throw footballs. You can kick footballs. I don't remember when they started all that. I know that was huge in San Francisco when we were there. They didn't do it too much in New York. Um, and New York also was really cold. I don't even remember the fan experience in Minneapolis, to be honest with you. Um. Because that was brutally cold. They shut, because I'll, I'll remember, I was just talking, telling uh, Kristen about this last night or the other day with that in, in Minneapolis, it was, remember, they were supposed to have concerts and such, and they couldn't even have the concerts because it was so cold that, you know, some of the musicians couldn't feel their fingers. Uh, instruments were breaking. 
So, man, I, I don't – maybe they would do some stuff in Arlington. I. That's a great question. The last time they hosted it, remember, they got snow. It snowed. It was terrible. There wasn't much going on. The downtown, they they had prepared. I mean, like they were going to get the entire world to uh, descend upon Dallas. And that week, they got just the crappiest weather you could get. It was cold. It was snowy. And they don't, uh, they plow, but they do it with like uh, plows in the front of garbage trucks. It's It's not much. And they don't put salt down because they're afraid they're going to erode their infrastructure. So they don't throw salt. They throw sand. It was the same way in Atlanta, too, back uh, back when the Packers were down there for um, on their run to the Super Bowl. Uh, when we were in Atlanta, Atlanta got inclement weather as well. I remember trying to get the Flowery Branch, which is where the Falcons practiced, and you, you couldn't get there. It was terrible. So I, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask. I would assume it's going to be at the convention center and such, if if indeed it's in Dallas. Otherwise, it would be at the L.A. Convention Center in downtown L.A. And I don't know where to go in L.A. I don't know what part of L.A. is good, what part of L.A. is bad, because you can hit a pocket of it where it looks really good. You go two blocks over, and it's a war zone. I, I just don't know. So that's a great question. 877-867-1670. Later on tonight coming up, uh, we got the Bill Michael Suttle. We're going to be out on the road. We're going to be at uh, Angry Brothers Pub down in Racine on Washington Avenue coming up tonight. Looking forward to that. So if you're going to be out and about, maybe you're uh, listening to the program, watching the program over on the uh, the Bud Light live stream. We'll see you at Angry Brothers Pub coming up tonight down in uh, Racine. And you can find us down there tonight, 6 to 8 o'clock, and then back at it again tomorrow as we get you set for the Packers and the Lions. Uh, the Lions hosting the Green Bay Packers at Ford Field, noon kickoff. And there's some games on Saturday now as well. So that's nice. you got Saturday games, Kansas City and, and uh, Denver, the Broncos, the Chiefs on the road in the Mile High City. And then the other Saturday night game, 7-15 local time, Cowboys on the road in Philadelphia. Where are you going to be hunkered down to watch that one, uh, Ben Kenny? I'll be at a bar. I don't know if I'll be watching. Really? You're not going to pay attention to that one? You're not, uh, gonna, you know, wings in front, ready to go? I'm going to pay attention. The game doesn't really matter. Everyone's going to be resting. Okay. I would figure it would matter. Get that 10th win of the season. Get double digits for your Eagles, man. Yeah. No, you I get mean, double, you're, only, you're only a game behind the, the Cowboys then? You'd have 10 wins. They'd have 11? You'd have a little bragging rights over Cowboys fans? Why not take that? It's true. It is still Dallas, and if Garner Minshew plays, then we'll get a QB controversy going into the playoffs. So that's oh, really yeah, that's all you're looking for. Yeah. That's all you're looking for. Gar- Garner Minshew is now your Nick Foles. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> just, you know, without the Super Bowl. Exactly. But, but you know, he could be on his way. He's this got the true. stash. Does he still have the stash? Oh, yeah. Big bomber jacket say. after the game yeah. vibes. Oh, I love it. Aviators. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's ready to go into a 1920 Warhawk plane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and start start kind of flying around out there with that leather hat and the goggles over his eyes. Yeah, love that. So uh, the, all that coming up tomorrow, coming up this weekend. So again, tonight uh, we're going to be back at it again. Angry Brothers Pub, uh, 6501 Washington Avenue in Racine. That's where you can find us. And we're going to be down there tonight with the Bill Michael Suttles, 6 to 8. Uh, and as far as I know, nothing more out of Green Bay. The good news is, that it looks as if uh, everybody's at least attempting to play. We know that uh, David Bakhtiari, according to Matt LaFleur a little bit earlier today, he said with one of those those blank-eating grins, yeah, David's not practicing today, but he had a really good practice yesterday. 